Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things super coach all season long. Please welcome your hosts. Whisper and Brew. Mate, two weeks in and we're already slacking off. We've missed an episode, so we'll we'll make it up. I think we'll do Santa Wing in two parts next week because it's going to be a lot to dive into. Something that doesn't need two parts, though, this week is probably five-eighths. Uh, a lot of these guys are jewels. A lot of them we discussed on Monday's podcast with halfbacks, but there are some outliers, a few that Brew and I are really keen on and I think after this podcast, we might be tearing our sides again because it seems to be the case. I, I seem to get everything set around my side and then my halves are the ones that are constantly changing. Mate, as I said, we had one day off. How you been in that uh, short time we've been away? Yeah, just so the listeners understand, uh, my work's going through a COVID crisis at the moment, so I've been pretty overworked and underslept and I hadn't done all of the homework for the center pod, which is probably going to need to be two episodes because it's so big. Um but I'm staying strong and I'm dodging, dodging COVID like a, you know, ninja master at the moment. So we're rocking and rolling today. I don't want to put the mocker on it, but I haven't got it yet. And I reckon the minute they say oh, I'm dodging it, I'm, I'm going to get it. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Mate, as I said, five eighths, uh, pretty, I guess it's, it's, it's one of the harder positions because if Munster was fit round one, I think the talk would be all him. But the problem is with Harry Grant being out round one, you know how keen I am on him. I can't justify holding two blokes, but there's there's plenty of others. And and none more important last year to a lot of successful sides than Cody Walker. I had a career year, averaged 83.8. Some of the, the best footy we've seen from Cody Walker. Some of the best playmaking we've seen since uh, Tim Smith in his rookie year. I think back in 05, I want to say 05, 04. Uh, yeah, plethora of try assists down the left-hand side. And towards the back end of the year, he was really... Uh, sort of experimenting on both sides of the field, which really got Campbell Graham and, and the guys like Tane Milne involved on, on the right-hand side as well with AJ obviously killing it on the left. Uh, Gagai had a career year as well, and I think Luttrell also had a, a pretty big year all down to Cody Walker. But there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of hype around him this year. We're still very early, but at 734k, I see a lot of people are sort of avoiding avoiding that one. Is he an avoid for you, or if you're going to build, I guess, some big halves, is Walker... A staple there, or yeah, is he just a, a case of just wait until that price comes down and see how they go with no Adam Reynolds? I think he's a case of wait and hope. Uh, if you look at last year's numbers, three scores under 55 all year says that if he drops in price, he's probably not going to drop a great deal if he keeps that level of consistency up. The hope part, I think, comes down to no Reynolds and no Latrell Mitchell early. We're hoping for a few stinkers to start and hopefully, say, pick him up for 550 or 600K and at a big discount and, and then go from there. But, you know, it's a, it's a lot easier to say that than it is to ac- actually execute that because, you know, that if that were to happen, you're looking at a period where predominantly you're, you're focused on cheapies. So if you want to take him, by all means, I certainly back it. Um, I've got some... I've got the usual numbers, but I've got a couple of interesting figures here. I mentioned that he had three scores under 55 all year. Well, those three scores came, two of them were against Penrith, the top defensive side in the competition, and the other one was against Melbourne. So you're talking about every other team in the comp, he pretty much smashed it. So finished the season with five tons in the last 10 games. That's that's wonderful. His base is a little bit poor, but all the other numbers are, are prime and he's far and away the best five-eighth option, I think. You know, if Munster if Munster becomes, say, the, the Munster of old and, the, you know, the tearing the house down and his fitness and everything all comes together, maybe he could challenge. But for me, Cody's the standout in this position. The standout as in, obviously, averages or standout as in stocks for Supercoach? Because the- I think he's got the highest ceiling and he's, by far and away, got the easiest 
like attacking numbers of all the players that we'll discuss today. Luke Carey's close, but Luke Carey, we're talking about a three-game sample, which is unusual compared to his prior seasons. Yeah, and and South don't have a fantastic draw to start the year. Like that's it's very very tough on South. So for me, mate, yeah, I'd probably give Walker a miss. But I think the big sort of factor that we have to to look at is whether it be Ilias or Taff. We know that Ilias is going to get first crack, but there's all the world that Taff could come back. I don't know. I don't think the attack stays the same. I think it either drops dramatically or rises huge. I think he's either going to take he's either going to take on a huge mantle and absolutely brain it. Or being that main guy might be too tough and it falls down. I don't know if we're going to see the same 83 from, from Cody. It might be a 65 or, or pushing 100 in my mind. And I tend to agree. And the reason I tend to agree is because if you look at the low scores, they, they came up against the best two sides, which says to me that under pressure, he doesn't perform as well. So he's going to be under pressure this season. You know, you've got, you got a star fullback that's missing round one. You've got no Adam Reynolds who controls the game very well and does a lot of the kicking. Are they going to rely on Lachlan Ilias to, to do the kicking, all of the kicking, or is, is Walker going to have to increase that part of his game and maybe take control as the leading half? They're all, there's a lot of variables here, and for me it says wait and try and get him cheaper when the time's right. From a draft point, just doing a quick thing, been doing a couple of mock drafts the last couple of days, I still think he's a top 10 pick. He's probably pushing around that eighth, ninth, tenth region. If you can get him on the draft, it's a different game because you know the prices don't change, and you're picking someone on on what they will be. So, like Cody could very well average seventy or five again. Sorry, seventy five again this year, and you want that for the run home, particularly when finals come along. But without the prices changing, it's more of a you know how much quality is there within the player pick as opposed to a a classic where you know it's tactical. Let's let's see if he can drop 200k and then pounce on him and hold him for the rest of the season. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I've done probably 10 mock drafts with some friends uh, when it comes to draft, and I've seen him go as high as 7 and probably as low as 12. So I guess anywhere between that sort of 8th and 10th pick is probably where he lies for for draft. Uh, but for classic, yeah, he's probably a miss for me. Let's wait and see South draw open up, as I said to you, mate, when we did the draw reveal. Uh, I think between rounds 9 and 23 or something like that, South had maybe one or two poor games. So if Cody Walker can find the form that he had last year where he was just decimating these weaker sides, then jump all over him. And hopefully with South tough draw, he goes from 734 down to maybe 620, 630. And then I'll, I'll be right on there, especially if we can cash in on someone like a Luke Keary who is underpriced and, and we can maybe potentially upgrade to someone like a Walker. Mate, as a Tigers fan, it's tough to see Adam Dewey out for, I guess, so long. I think it's about 10, 11 weeks. As a Supercoach fan, though, I love the fact that he's picked up centre wing. I think if Adam Dewey is in a lot of sides, he will he will come in at centre wing. But his primary position being half, we'll touch a bit on him today. He was the heart and soul of the Tigers side. Everything went through him. He is similar to Munster in a case of he just loves to, to churn through the work. He has a really good base. Uh, of 26, I see you've put down here, which is a little bit below Munster, but still uh, elite numbers. I think it's the uh, second best natural half um, base, apart from someone like a Josh Schuster, who is a bit skewed because he plays in the back row. So natural halves, Dewey has the second best base. As I said, he is the, the heart and soul of the Tigers. There's no issue about where he's coming back into the side post-injury. Um, you'd think it'd be either Brooks or Hastings that moves out for him, but... The biggest concern is him coming back from the knee and, and what kind of explosiveness or, or elusiveness he's going to lose coming back from that. At 675, uh, he's probably someone like Tohu as well. Remember how we touched on Tohu and said that I'm not going to look at getting him until about round 20? I think Adam Dewey would be in a very similar boat um, just with I want to see how he comes back from that injury and then we can get him hopefully at a cheaper price, cheaper than the 675 that he is. Yeah, this season, it's very hard to know what we're going to do this season with everything that's going on in Australia and the world at the moment. And for me, when I look at Dewey, he's the type of guy I want from the minute he returns, but he's probably going to be a guy I'll wait and see on. Hope that he drops coin. I think he might return slow. Um, it's a lot harder for backs, you know, in terms of lateral movement and whatnot to come back from these type of injuries. So I know I'm high on McInnes and then not so high on Dewey. And, and that might sound like a contradiction, but it's purely because of the role that the two players play. I think it will hamper him for a little bit of time. Um, I'm hoping 
that he does kick it on towards the back half of the season or mid to late season, depending on when he returns. But I do think there is an element of regression to begin with and then pouncing, hopefully, at the right time. I want to back that up by saying I actually think Adam Dewey is probably the second, maybe third best option um, of everyone we're going to talk about today. I think he's immensely talented. I think he's he's destined to be gonna, uh, sorry, to become a guy like Cody Walker, the guy that we want to own because he's so enigmatic. He can put on massive ceiling. He's got a pretty good base on him. So I'm really high on him, but I am a little bit cautious with this return from injury. The thing with the Tigers is as well, like round, what is this, round 19. Round 19 to round 25, they have the Cowboys, the Broncos, the, the Knights, the Sharks, the Roosters, the Dragons, and Canberra. So barring the Roosters matchup in round 23, pretty tasty run home for the Tigers, and hopefully Adam Dewey can find, I guess, the similar output that he had last year. I am worried about the the knee, as, as you said, similar to him stepping off the mark, which is a, a little bit contradictory for me because I'm so high on Luke Keary. Uh, I guess that the bonus with Dewey is that he picks up the goal kicking when he comes back in as well. Mate, we touched on on Cam Munster and how he's sort of thrown everything out of, out of whack because I feel like if he is available round one, there's probably not a whole lot of debate when it comes to our 5 position, but the fact that he is out round one and, and Harry Grant is so desirable to hooker makes it hard to carry both, makes it, uh, what is that, nearly $1.3 million worth just holding on the bench and, and that's money for ter- that's money for Turbo, that's money for Cleary. So it's it's a hard thing to carry, but he is looking lean. We've heard the stories of him being off the punt, off the drink. You can buy into it as much as you want. I think Melbourne have put a drinking ban on him and maybe the gambling is sort of a, a Cameron Munster restriction he's put on himself, but he is so enigmatic. Like he is so on the tip of everyone's tongue because at any given time he can go off for 200. But I said this to you a couple of months ago that like we've been saying this with Munster for so long. I think he's primed for a big year, but I feel like I'm saying that week on, oh sorry, year on year. And every year we look back and it's sort of 68 to 75 average, which by no means is bad. It's, it's fantastic. And he's very consistent, probably the most consistent 5'8 in Supercoach, and, and he'll be in my side at, at some stage. But when does that 75 average go to a, an 85 to a 90? And I feel like the time is running out for, I guess, everyone's faith in him. Uh, Bruce, bold prediction uh, pre-season is that Munster is the number one 5'8 for this season. Yeah, I don't hate I that. Honest, I, don't, I, I, don't, I, don't I hate honestly that believe it. I can see regression from Cody Walker. Last year's stats were far and a bond uh, like above anything that he's done in recent times you know he's always had good scores but to average well over 80 plus and do what he did I don't see it happening again especially without benefit without Reynolds without a few other players so it's it's there for Munster you know if he's focused on his footy 100 percent if he if he's off the cans you know and he's he's not on the punt and doing God knows what else that we've seen him doing, you know, in the off season. And he's purely focused on footy. And I think you've seen this with the roosters. Um, you know, when the roosters came second last, they were on it that season, you know, doing all kinds of things. And, and we saw that with their output. And since Robbo, you know, got their asses into gear, you've seen the type of performances that players can put on. And I think you might get that from Munster this season because he knows this is make or break. He doesn't want to leave Melbourne. Melbourne's been the best side in the conference for nearly 20 years. He wants to be the man at that club. And I, I honestly think we're going to see it. I want to start with him. I really, really do. It's just, it's really difficult because, you know, if I start with him, then I'm probably relying on, say, a Jackson Hastings in round one who play Melbourne. Melbourne without their players are still going to defend well. They're a Bellamy coach side. Whereas, you know, with Harry Grant, he's far and above the best hooker. If I don't go Munster, you know, I could I, there's, I could go anyone on this list today and I'll probably score more points in round one. And starting well is really important to me. So I'm on a knife's edge here. I really do want to start with him, but I really want to start the season well with as many points as I can and I can't carry two. 600 plus let's, thousand players. Let's say let's, let, let's say it's a 25 point gap. Are you are you really stressed over 25 points in round one if you if you decide to play Hastings because like let's say Munster gets 75 and and Hastings gets 50, which I think is pretty fair. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to to cop a 25 point hit, um, but then 
the added thing comes in of like, okay, well, if I'm picking Munster, I've also got Grant. I lose 25 points from Hastings. And I might lose another 35, 40 points from playing someone like an Aaron Booth or a Corey Pakes or a Billy Walters or whoever the cheapy nine that emerges is. So it's a it's a hand-in-hand thing. I think we'll get a better idea of what – and this sounds silly – but we'll get a better idea of what to do with Munster when we know what's happening with Hooker. Because if if a cheapy Hooker oh, comes out, if a cheapy Hooker comes out and starts, I will I will run Grant and Munster because I can just rely on that cheapy Hooker to get me fifty points and, and be happy with that. If Hooker is a wasteland, I'm I'm carrying Grant no matter what. Like you can't talk me out of Grant. So if Hooker is a wasteland, I might have to take uh, enough at two RF. Uh, and play McInnes up at hooker, and then not carry Munster. So th- there's a couple of things to, to to think on. Going back to what you were saying about Munster, I, I feel that like yeah, this has to be it for him. Like this has to be the year, because otherwise he's just going to be known as just like a really good footy player that just never put it all together. And um, as a Queensland fan, like he's the guy. Like if 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 Queensland are going to break this monopoly that New South Wales are going to build in Origin, like it's going to be Munster, and he can just do it. He's one of the most talented footballers in the game, and and I really want to see him put it together. I'm just worried about the emergence of Hughes as like a very very solid number seven, and the emergence of Pappenhausen being an absolute superstar um, fullback, and then obviously Harry Grant just being the best nine in the game. There's only so many points that can go around, and and I think Munts is always going to get his fair share of forties and fifties with his base, but how much attacking is there? Uh, I think the combination on the left hand side of Munster and Pappenhausen is going to be a huge telling point. Um, but yeah, I'm really expecting Munster to have a big one, and I hope he does as a Queensland fan myself because I want him prime for Origin. Um, but yeah, like I just hope he puts it together. That's that's the big thing. Um, there's not so much, there, there's not really unknowns with Munster. We know what we're going to get from him. But when it comes to Matt Burton, mate, there is a whole host of unknowns. He performed exceptionally well in the halves when he was asked to for the uh, Penrith Panthers. But coming to a Bulldog side that's going to take time to gel all these new recruits, they've got all the expectations in the world on them, and it's probably going to fall on, on Burton's shoulders. He's definitely talented enough, but is it going to be enough around him to, to really shine? And for us to get value at 576000 I'm not too sure if it is. Um, it depends on, on who lands the kicking tee or whatever. That's going to add some more value, but it's hard to put a, put a point on it because we have such a small sample size of him at seven. Yeah, so seven games played, 495 points at 70. That's his stats in a nutshell at half. 25 of that was base, 45 was attack. So his base is mid-range. It's not too bad. His attack is good, I suppose. If you take out Walker, it's one of one of, probably one of the best. Can he do it behind? I'm confident he can do it behind that Bulldogs pack. I think it, it's one of the best packs in the comp potentially can the bulldogs get out of a losing rut is my question they've been it's a little bit like the knights just, you know, a, the knights it's just a culture thing isn't spooner it side yeah the like the knights went and did the similar very similar thing to what the bulldogs have done they, they were wooden spooners consistently they went out and bought a heck of a lot of talent they brought it together and they were yo-yo some games they were really good and you're like oh well yeah they got top four top six side and then at other times you're like what the F is this? Like they're playing like busters. And I think there might be a little bit of that in the Bulldogs this season, which isn't to be unexpected. You know, they don't have a culture of winning, but if they find that culture of winning, they've got a, they've got a side that Burton could play off the back of. Well, that very similar to the forwards pack, like the Panthers pack. He could be anything. I just don't know if he'll be that from. That was my point, mate. Like you mentioned the Knights and and how all it took was sort of Callum Ponga, that superstar figure to come in and sort of, give the team a little bit of life. And, and is Burton that superstar guy? He definitely could be. I'm just not too sure if I can go there. Like, it's just such a, a lot of unknowns. So, so he averaged 67.7 last year. Sorry, 65.7 last year. And you said he averaged about 70 and a half. So there's about five points of yeah, value. Which actually really surprised yeah. me because I was an owner last year. And I remember I get the shits every time I saw him named in the seven. I was like, buddy, hell, play him in the centers because it felt like he scored less. And I think it's skewed by one or two real big games. But overall, yeah, well, that's you know, what I, over that's, the course of the season, you know, if you have low games and big games, you still look at the average for the season. That's what I was going to say. So I think gonna... there, there, there was a game during the origin period against the Sharks and he had maybe 15 points after 70 minutes. And I think he finished on 138 or something like that. So definitely got his points in clumps at, 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 in the halves. But 
Yeah, I mean, the halves are going to do that. Halves with low base, they're going to score in clumps because it comes in and tries. It's like a try assist with a line break and a couple of tackle bars. That's worth 29, 31 points. So um, there's a fair bit there for him. I just like other options at 5'8". I'd rather spend cheaper on other guys than, than going big on someone like a Burton. I'm not saying I'm not going to own him. I just want to say the culture shift change, and especially that Bulldogs draw, mate. You and I have said it four or five times now. The first 10 rounds for the Bulldogs is absolute hell. So hopefully we can pick Burton up for like 400k, and that'll be perfect for the run home. Um, we talk about unknowns with Burton. There's probably even more unknowns when it comes to AJ Brimson. At 533k, he'll be partnered up with Toby Sexton with Jaden Campbell at the one. That's basically all been but confirmed. Oh, Brimo burnt me last year. He finished the year. He finished 2020 with like an average of 75, and I had really high hopes for him. Coming into last year, I uh, took him quite high in draft. Didn't get around him in classic because he was fullback only, but now he picks up the 5.8. I'm not too sure if that adds much more value, he being, him being able to be picked at the 5.8. I remember similar to Kalen Ponga, 2019, he picked up 5.8 fullback uh, eligibility, and that sort of skyrocketed him because then you could run three genuine gun fullbacks in your side. But I don't think Brimo's going to have that elite fullback production at six. Oh, look, he'd still be a decent option if he was named at fullback and we could play him at 5-8, but I don't expect that to be the case. That's I, what, think I guess that's what I was... They'd I mean, have to that's be what I meant losing with, a lot of games, yeah. That's what I meant with um, Ponga, because you could you could pick Ponga at 5-8 while he was still playing fullback. Now you're, you're picking Brimo basically as he's playing six, and, and I'm not too sure if, if I love that too much, especially with, with a young... If he was playing next to someone like Fogarty, I could probably get behind it a little bit more because you've got that experienced head there that could probably just let AJ play eyes up footy. But there's going to be a lot of pressure on Toby Sexton uh, and, and Brimo to, to combine. And how long before Justin Holbrook pulls the pin and just says, all right, Brimo, you go back to six and, and they experiment with something else. Oh, sorry, Brimo, you go back to one and they and they, yeah, they try something else. Look, we've got, we've got no data on him in the halves, basically. I, I don't know if he did it for Queensland off the bench or anything like that because he did play quite well for Queensland off the bench. But in terms of the Titans, there's no data at all. All I can give you is fullback data, which is kind of useless. They're different positions. At 533-800, there's another bloke for the exact same price I'd take before him. There's a whole bunch of blokes. I'd take every bloke we just spoke about before I'd pay, like start him. And there's multiple, multiple blokes underneath him that I would take before I start Brimson. Sight unseen. You don't know what you're going to get. He's not Kalen Ponga. Like, Kalen Ponga, we had this vision that, oh, my God, this superstar pullback in 5'8". Wow. I just don't think Brimson's that. He's, he's got moments of greatness, but he's not over, He's not in that category of your, your turbos and Pappenhausens, et cetera. He's 533. Even at 400, I don't know if I could take the punt. Going in blind, no, so I couldn't. If I if I'm not taking a punt at five thirty three, if I'm not taking a punt at four hundred, I'm definitely not taking a punt at five thirty three. And you mentioned someone of the exact same price, basically averaged the exact same as well last year, and that's Josh Schuster. Now, the benefit with Schuster is that he's now available at two RF. Last year we had to plug him in at five eighth and sort of sit and hold, but he was really good at such a really young age, and surprisingly, because it was so frustrating because I never owned him last year, but. He's really, Same. really enticing, mate. 5.33, yeah, and he's just going to get older, more experienced in this manly side, going to be playing on an edge, really good base there as well. So I really do Look, like he has him. been in my side at times um, throughout this preseason, and he's someone that is on my radar. Just the fact that, you know, if he he's only new to the edge, and he was great on the edge last season. In fact, he played every single game on the edge last season. There was no six in there. That's how much confidence they had once they gave him the opportunity to play on there. He's a very safe 60 average. You know, he might not have the ceiling of some of the other blokes, but at the same time, he's probably not going to punch you out a 20 either or a 10, which some halves can do. So 60 week in, week out with the potential to increase or become better. So for me, for example, I don't think Manley's going to beat teams week in and week out by 50 or 60 points like they did last season. I just, I think teams will study them. They'll, they'll figure out how to shut turbo down a little bit more and it will level them somewhat. And if that happens, the benefit is, is that Schuster's work rate plummeted when turbo was going bonkers for that back half of the season compared to the start of the season. So you're talking about him having a base of 37, which is far and away, you know, one of the best at this position his base was closer to 45 or 50, which is, you know, 
top end second rower numbers when Manly weren't, you know, spending so much time, you know, in a huddle because someone's taken a goal kick because Turbo scored four tries. So the potential to go 65 to 70 average is 100% there for me. Not too sure if I'm reading into this too much, but rather than Turbo sweeping out the back and all eyes being focused on him, they could potentially start to use shoots a little bit shorter as well. So have, have, balls, yeah. have Turbo out the back, attract the center, the center and the, the winger, and then you're sort of left with Schuster sort of one-on-one on the outside of a 2RF. So I don't mind that. I really like Schuster at 61 average. Um, and the thing that really impressed me last year was, look, he's a natural six. That was all, with all the talk coming in last year, that he was he's a natural six, and he's a big body. They've put him at 12, and it's really worked out. He was adding more and more flair to his game at the back end of last year, putting in sort of kicks as well, uh, looking for that offload, all these little things that add up. So if he can start rolling the ball into the in goal maybe five times a season, get a few forced dropouts, uptake in that offload category, yeah, I really, really like that. Uh, I really like Schuster. I like Schuster more than I like Burton. I like Schuster more than I like Brimson. So at the moment, he's currently three on the list behind Munster and Walker. So... Yeah, I really like him at 533. I think there's some value there. I think the average goes up. As you said, I think the base goes up as well. I like him. I don't like him as much as Luke Keery. Now, you're the Chooks fan. Last year, three seasons, three games last year, a bit of an outlier, averaged 75.3 when he was sort of consistently a 60-point kind of guy. I have come out and said that Keery is my bold prediction for the Dally M. I don't know if we're going to see 75 average, but I definitely think he's underpriced at 528, which is cheaper than Schuster, who was priced at a 61. So looking at that, Kiri's priced at about a 58 and a half, 59. I think there's value there regardless. I've gone cold on him, to be honest. Just with the injury or? Um, uh, well, the injury's part of it, but I was also looking at his numbers compared to previous seasons, and they're just so far above anything he's done. That worries and that me. And 10, that 10 is common. Like he did have a long run of say sixties towards the back end of 2020, which was promising. But as I look through the stats over years and years and years and, you know, past behavior, like it predicts future behavior. I can only see that, you know, he's the type of guy that four weeks a month might get you 60 and then he might get you 140 and then he might get you that 10 and that 10 might be the one thing that kills you. I'll caveat that mate. He's played with Cronk. He's played with Reynolds. He's always been junior. He's always been the number two. He's now playing with Sam Walker, who is the definition of bloody junior. It's Luke Keery. It's his side. Robbo's going to ask him to do a whole lot. Do you think the uptake in uh, role helps him, especially down that that uh, that right-hand side? Like, we saw what he did with Teddy the first three rounds. I'm not saying he's going to average 75, but like Robbo's going to be like, look, I dropped Walker last year. He was getting battered and bruised. We asked him to do too much. Robbo's come out and said that. They're going to have Kiri back. Yeah, he loses a bit of the elusiveness. He loses a bit of the speed. But I think he's going to shape his game around just being that prick that runs at the line and then just picks you apart. I don't think we're going to see Look, Luke. Pit. I don't think we're going to see Luke Kiri as the support player down the middle scoring tries. I just think he's just going to make life for Teddy so much easier. And if Teddy has a, an uptick in production after a, a down year last year, you would expect to only see Luke Kiri go up. And and the fact that he is now the senior guy, really, 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 I guess I, I like that. Potentially, potentially, but ultimately, I see, I see a poor base. I see a high HI rate, a high injury rate, and it scares me. Of course, of course, there's going to be risks when you're taking a guy who averaged seventy five last year at five hundred and twenty eight k. I am not as hot on him as what I was when the prices came out, but I'm still keen on him. I like that he's dual as well. I think the the dual does help, and. I don't know if I, I can't just bin off the, the previous years because he has played with Kronk and, and Reynolds and, and whatever. And I'm not too sure how much stock we can put into him being the number one guy now in that halves pairing, mm. but I still think there's value at 528. And that's all that matters to me for the first five rounds. I don't mind it. Like I was very high on him, but I've just gone cold a little bit. Well, like let's, let, let's look at the next man, for example. Albert Kelly, 60.4 average priced at 528K. Literally the exact same yeah. price as Kiri. So, like, if you're putting Kiri and Albert Kelly side by side, I'm taking Kiri all day. No disrespect to Albert Kelly. I'm just, there's just no certainty that he's going to start. Although, like, in the games that he played last year, he looked really good, like, really surprising. So, I can't get around Albert Kelly, but if you picked him, I can understand why you're doing it. It's just not something I'd recommend. Look, I don't have confidence that he's the starter. No. 
And that's the problem for me. He's, his base was highly inflated by one particular game. Um, he's probably closer to, a, say, a 28-30. Um, he's very consistent in his, say, creating and evading stats, but they heavily bump his scores up. What happens if, if they get shut down a little bit and that's not there anymore? Yeah, well, that's, I guess that's the next point. Like, we have no idea who the six is going to be, like, next to Adam Reynolds. And, and Albert Kelly was kind of being asked to, to sort of lead the troops around. I think that helped him out a lot. Zero chance. Even if he starts at six, they're not going to ask him to lead the troops around with Adam Reynolds there. So, yeah, I think there's a big... No, he would play off the back. If he plays like Cody Walker with, with Reynolds, then, you know, absolutely. He could take his game to the next level. But... <sighs> The uncertainty of the six worries me because what happens if he has a couple of bad games and the Broncos, yeah. you know, that does he get dropped? It's not like we're it's not though, it's not like know. we're paying three hundred for him taking a chance. We're we're paying like the same five hundred plus the, the same price we're paying for like Schuster, Kiri that we're taking a gamble on, and it's just too much for me, unfortunately. I agree. Now, Jerome Luai, you went on a bit of a bit of a, a rant. A couple of weeks ago about Jerome Luai. You <laughs> talked a lot of people onto him, mate. I got a lot of messages being like, Luai was not in their consideration. Uh, you you then asked me to run the numbers on Luai, which um, as you're given your uh, in- interest, um, I will basically, yeah, pull that up. Uh, what I'm going to do though, quickly, mate, I'm just going to take a short two-second break uh, and then I'll, I'll uh, we'll come back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we're back. It's always good when your co-host messages you randomly throughout a podcast saying they have to attend the bathroom, so you got to take some breaks. Um, mate, we were, we were discussing <laughs> we were discussing Jerome Luai, price at five hundred and fifteen k. Look, Luai pre-origin was elite, sixty six point two five. So that was rounds one to twelve. Rounds twelve to twenty five dropped off a cliff, forty eight point eight two. So pretty nearly twenty point drop off. I'm not too sure how much stock we can put into the Matt Burton situation because with no Burton in the side, which was three games, he averaged 73. Now, you and I brought up the points of Burton being that sort of third half and taking away some try assists from him in the centres. So with no Burton, it was a three-game average of 73. And with Burton, it was a 14-game sample. Sorry, with Burton at centre wing, it was a 14-game sample and he averaged 60.5. So it's a 13-point drop-off, but a little bit of a small sample size with no Burton. Now, his halves partner stats are interesting. Now, Luai with Burton in the halves played four games together, and Luai averaged 37.75 compared to his games with Nathan Cleary, which was 17 games last year. He averaged 64.5, so 27-point difference between the two halves partners. And then another thing that I'll add quickly here, mate, 2020, he averaged 62.3, and when he was with Crichton on the left-hand side, he averaged 64.5, so... We would expect Stephen Crichton to come back onto the left if he's going to average somewhere close to 64, which is what he did in 2020. Then you'd think 58.9, or sorry, 58.8 average. There is definitely some value to be had there at 515k. Absolutely. So everything you just said, obviously, um, took the words out of my mouth. I thought I better. Finish 2020. I thought I'd better contribute, mate. It's been been about two months since I've said anything meaningful, so I thought I'd better chime in. Love it. That's all right. You can say it all on the. Uh, positional pods and I'll just give my feedback. Go for it. Um, <laughs> so he finished 2020 actually with an 87 three-round average and a 97 five-round average. And that doesn't factor in that the sixth game, so the game prior to those, he scored 116 or something like that. So he was just finding his feet. And then he started 2021 like a house on fire. Everyone was like, oh, shit, I've got to get I've got to get Luai in my team. And I don't know, I was one of those people. I did. I, I bought him I bought him sky high. I bought him at his top price. And it just I bought him at his peak price too. And I kept him. I, like, I think I kept him for 90% of the season. I think I sold him as one of my last trades maybe. Well, I might have even held him. I can't even remember now. But I'm just thinking, you know, you take out Burton who, you know, averaged so highly in the centers. Like he, he was the center of the year, basically. You take that out and put a ball hog in. 
beside him and suddenly you've got Luai either going himself or cutting out to Toto and you're talking about a 65 average or 70 average if the Panthers go on a tear and he's more involved. I just think he's, there's a lot of value there. There's a high ceiling and I don't think his floor will be too bad regardless, even if it's similar to what it was with Burton, but I don't expect that to be the case. I'm very high on Luai. Uh, he's not in my side at the moment because uh, I'm just trialing a few things. I'm trying to fill out the rest of my squad and go cheapy halves instead of going cheapy centers and stuff like that. But if I could pick a halves combo, Luai would be one of those people. The only five eight, if I could. Cleary has to be named round one for you to pick Luai. If Cleary's not named round one, you don't go near Luai. As as I said in those stats before, without Cleary, he averaged thirty seven. So he relies on Cleary heavily. Um, Dylan Edwards is not the kind of fullback to, to sweep around, similar to a Tedesco or a Pappenhausen or a Turbo. He's not one of those sweeping around fullbacks that's going to take touches away from Luai. So he has to have Cleary. But uh, yeah, mate, you made. A really, really good point. I'm not a couple, sure about a couple that. Weeks ago, I mean, because he's he's not if though. Like, if, if you, there's if no you Cleary him, this season, then there's no Burton either. So suddenly he would be playing more of a halfback style. He wouldn't have to just you know feed the ball to Burton and hope that Burton does something, which is kind of what was happening when those two were playing together. I think he would take the leading hand. Therefore, I don't think it would be as bad. No, nah, I just can't. Like, I just, I just, I've been burnt with Luai no Cleary before. Even even Luai and I think um, Tyrone May played a couple of games together in the halves partnering, and Luai was still bad. Like, <sighs> like I understand, but it's, it's like if if we're gonna go off, if we're gonna use your point of using the past as an example with, when it comes to Luke Keary and his prior seasons, we have to look at what um, Luai does with no with no Cleary, and it's it's a, it's a risk for me. I I think Cleary will be named round one. We've now seen him at training with no bib on, which is always a good sign. Um, so yeah, for me, if, if, if Nathan Cleary is named round one, uh, I will go Luai. I've been talking Cleary and Cleary too much, mate. It, uh, it throws me out. Yeah. You confused the hell out of me before. <laughs> I thought you were saying Cleary's a better option than Luai and I was going to go, no, 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 no. Luai if, is a better option than Cleary. Thank you. If, if Nathan, if Nathan, <laughs> you might disagree, but that's my opinion. If Nathan Cleary is not named round one, I can't go near Luai. Um, mate, we've decided to, to chuck in Scott Drinkwater here at 474k. I don't know if he starts. I mean, I don't know if he starts in the six. Like, I don't know what the talk is. They've got they've got Dearden, they've got Townsend, they've got Hamiso who's going to play fullback apparently, and they've got Val on the wing. Where does that leave Drinkwater? Like, there was talk that he was going to leave the club. Like, if I don't know, there's just a lot of a lot of sort of unknowns at North Queensland and. I think a lot of people have them tipped around 15th, 16th, and I probably can't take a half from there at 474K. It's not like a Hastings who we can take a bit cheaper who goal kicks as well. So big, big miss from me. But surprisingly did average 54.2, which I guess you could build off, but there's yeah, every other name here I prefer yeah. over drink water. That might have sounded all right in 2018, but averaging 54 last season was nothing to write home about. And Ooh. that's basically the story of drink water. And I agree. I've got the Cowboys or the dragons finishing last this season and the other one finishing second last. So there's, there's competition for position at the Cowboys. I just don't think he's got the ceiling um, of other players. I'd much rather take a, say a Sean Johnson that we discussed the other day at a similar price than I would take drink water. I'd take Hastings before I would take drink water, for I'd, example. I'd, I'd, I'd take the next two blokes we're going to talk about on this list as well over drink water, to be honest. Um, yeah, and that's absolutely. The thing, like, and, and that's the thing. People can use that. Like I just said that I'm not going to take drink water because of the Cowboys are going to be fighting for the spoon. The Tigers aren't going to be too far off there, but the, the big difference is that Hastings is 100K cheaper and he's also going to goal kick. So that's that's why I'd rather Hastings over, over drink water. If drink water was like 400, I could probably get around it maybe. Um, but... Yeah, he went all right last last year with a 53 average, but not a guy that I'm pulling my side apart to get in. I don't really think I'd ever look at him, to be honest, even if I'm trying to experiment with some things. Drink water is not the guy that I'd be looking at. No, um, his roller coaster of scores is just too... It would do my head in. I, I just couldn't deal with it. Speaking of roller coasters, 2000, <laughs> 2020. Fantastic season, Dylan Brown. One of the cheapies of the year. He was god-awful last year but still average 53, which is a huge positive in my book. Yeah, so he dropped 11 or 12 points off his average uh, last season. He pretty much had no attacking stats all season. Um, he didn't get many 
line break assists or try assists. He, he didn't have many tries himself. His base is phenomenal. It's actually the best of anyone uh, that isn't named Josh Schuster, who's actually a forward who naturally have higher base. It's, it's even better than Cameron Munster. So he's definitely a worker. And my God, if he could actually find some attacking stats, he averaged just, 18 game, uh, just, sorry, 18 just points. Just do something, Dylan Brown. Just anything. Just do something and you'll become, you'll become so like, relevant. It's so weird because, you know, you double his attacking stats and, and they're still in kind of average areas, but the bloke would average 71 if he did that. And that's mind blowing. Like it, the potential is there. Just Dylan, do something for God's sake. You play in a top six side. I'm actually Get looking, some- I'm actually looking at him. I don't, I, is that, is that, a, <laughs> is that a bad thing? Like I'm looking, cause he was so bad. <laughs> when I did the numbers, I was the same. I was like, holy shit. Cause this guy did this like the smoky of the season. He was so bad last year. I just year. don't know if I have the faith in it. He was so awful. He still averaged 53. Like that's what's so, that's what's so intriguing. Like he's a very good player. And that 18 is the worst by far of anyone we're talking about today. In his attack stats, yeah. Yeah, it like literally is half of most of these guys. Like Schuster's is 28, but he's not a half technically. And, you know, the, the bloke we're about to talk about has 21. But outside of that, everyone else is in the, you know, mid-30s or late-30s, 40s. The bloke we're about to talk about, I'm also kind of half looking at as well. But, like, yeah, Dylan Brown, like... He's he's in my side at the moment because I changed my team today. I was just sort of experimenting, so he's still he's there at the moment. But like, I just really like that he was so awful last year and still average mid fifties. Because like, if he could just pick up even like one involvement, whether that be just like a line break assist or a try, just something, just give me something. You'll you'll go up to sixty points, and there'll be good value there. Like, he will then go into the same category as someone like a Josh Schuster, who who, who we love. Easy. Yeah, he'll make ADK easy. So. Be a borderline um, keeper. Yeah, I guess that's that's my that's my preseason smoky call of make sure you're not disrespecting Dylan Brown too much when it comes to building your sides because I do feel it's a bounce back there. He can't go any worse with that base, and we saw what he did in twenty what was it twenty twenty his rookie season. So yeah, don't don't give up on Dylan Brown. I'm not going to give the same advice about the next bloke we'll talk about. I'm just sort of looking at him because I don't know why, and that's Jack Whiten. He's 412k, mate. Like, that is so cheap for a guy with, like, monster levels of potential. Like, when it comes to, like, what he can do. People, like, talk about Whiten's running game like he is, like, the second coming of Jesus. And, like, the, the, problem, the problem is, though, like, I was just going to use the excuse of, like, oh, he's now got a controlling half, but he had Sam Williams, he had George Williams, he's now got Jamal Fogarty. Oh, just put it together. Look. Just put it together, Jack Whiten, please. I don't know if I'm still salty about the 2019 Clive Churchill or not, but he's the most overrated 5'8 I think I've ever seen in my life. He's not that talented. He has a decent step close to the goal line. Outside of that, I don't see much there. Like, Canberra's I, been I a pretty I, good side I don't care years. about the footy. I just care about bloody him averaging more than 47. That's all I care about. I don't give a shit about the footy. Well, 27 bases there or thereabouts. Like, it's kind of average. It's not bad, but it's not great. 21 attack is, you know, outside of Dylan Brown that I just spoke about, the worst. And 19% of the time he went over 60. Do you think he improves with Charles Nickel Klukstar back full-time now? Now he's got like a competent fullback outside of him. Do you think that, that there is some... And that's that's the reason why I'm intrigued because it's 412k for a guy that's going to get his star fullback back. I'm not probably... I come around one, I'm most certainly not going to start well, with Jack Whiten. What I'll say is but this. But he is intriguing. We talk about a 10-point increase, right, in a player. You get a 10-point increase here, you're getting 57, and you're getting up to low 500s or 500 or thereabouts in terms of price. You're still 400,000 plus away from Cleary. You're yeah, still that's, that's you know, the thing. 300k. Like, like best he's case, not a keeper, best case and he's scenario, not a stepping stone. Best case scenario, whoever, he averages 60, which is a 13-point increase, which takes him up to Albert Kelly levels, which is 528. So that's 110k price rise. If I was getting 110k price rise, my $550,000 investment, awesome. If I'm getting $110,000 price rise on my 400k investment, not so much. I yeah, and that's the thing. Like we're looking, I'm looking at White and just thinking he's going to have a bounce back. Not bounce back year, but I, I think there is some value there. But is it enough value to be a stepping stone? And you're probably right that there's not, unfortunately. But um, we can't always talk about the the guys that are highly owned. You've got to throw a few smokies out there. And yeah, mine are Dylan Brown and, and Jack Whiten. Although I don't think Jack Whiten will be a huge money returner. I don't think he'll let you down either. What's the magic number for a trade though? 
Well, when it comes to how much money banked? How much is a trade worth? We talk about this during the season. Yeah, no, Are they worth it? It, it? I think it depends. It, and that's that's such a cop-out answer, such a politician answer. But it depends because like a trade okay. a trade is worth so much more going from Munster to Cleary than it is going from White to Luai. You know what I mean? Like that's just two names I've just picked out of a hat. But like oh, and that's right, but one is sideways with a little bit of growth and the other one is uh, set and forget done you've made your trade you know you cash out a cow and you turn white and into the best player in the competition but i'm just saying like we spoke last season going into the season that is a trade worth you know 120k that was roughly the magic figure well what's the magic figure now when we have a bloke that's worth 1.25 million and a bloke that's worth Nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars. We that's, have centers that's the thing. worth. I, I think it's seven hundred. It's going to be. I think it's if, a different game. I think if you don't start with Cleary and or Turbo, that's totally fine. I'm not going to berate you. I'm not going to call you crazy because, quite frankly, I'm not starting with the two of them either. I might start with Cleary, maybe if I can find the cash. I'm definitely not starting with Turbo. The thing is, though, you've you've got to have a contingency plan. You've got to have some kind of idea as to where your money's coming from. You can't pick Dylan Brown. You can't pick Jerome Luai and expect they're going to get you to 700K and that's going to be your money maker. Like, you've got to be realistic about where you're getting your cash from. So, that's why I like someone like a Schuster because I think there's potential for him to go up 120K or so. And that sound, and that's that's the thing. Like, if White and, if White and gains 120K, it's nowhere near as, as effective as someone like a Schuster gaining 80K. Because that, that goes from 530 to 610, whereas Whiten goes from 412 to 530. You know what I mean? So, like, look at your look at your value. Your mid-range... Like, there's there's plenty of... Brew and I haven't touched on them, but there's plenty of mid-range guys that are going to get you value this year. But you've got to get enough value to try and build your side around these big guys if you're not going to go with them. Um, Point I would make yeah. before we finish is that... Look, this is kind of the way I look at it. If I get Whiten... Versus, say, getting Schuster. Schuster is a safe 60, and let's say he could go to 70. And Whiten is a 47, a and maybe he could go to 55 or 60. What happens if you get in a position where COVID strikes or injury strikes, and you can't trade the people that you want to trade? You're simply trading to survive. This is What's the this person is the that point. you're stuck with going to get you on a week-to-week basis? Are they going to be sustainable to get you by and go, you know what? I did it kind of with Tino last year. I did it with, um, I think, Naz. I think I owned, you know, Solomona for a long time last year. But the the good thing was that even though I got stuck with them, they were scoring me 55 or 60 points a week, and that doesn't kill you. But if Whiten goes out there and scores a 25, and he does that for a few weeks in a row and then loses some cash, and you can finally get to the point where you can trade the bastard, you're screwed. That's the thing. That's so the that's thing. So, like, your, mid, your mid-range guys, I guess maybe try and grab a safer floor. Like you said, for example, if you're tossing up between Schuster and Brimson, for example, yeah, Brimson's got the higher average, uh, the higher ceiling, no two ways about that. Like, if Brimson's more likely to go for 120 than Schuster is, but Brimson's also more likely to go for a 15. So, what Bruce saying makes a, a lot of sense when it comes to these sort of... Forwards, I think, is different because forwards are always kind of safe. Um, and that was the point I had with Liam Martin. Like, don't expect the world from Liam Martin, but he's not going to let you down. Um, but yeah, yeah, halves. That's why I like Schuster because he's a two RF that is not going to drop in price. He's a lot more safer, and especially yeah, like we're, we're speculating right now when it comes to COVID. But yeah, we could be stuck. Like for for any of you guys that play BBL right now, it's a nightmare. Um, oh, I gave up. Yeah, I'm still I'm, st- I'm still kicking in somehow. But like anyway, planning like, went out the window, and you know I gave up because of that. I don't normally quit these things, but you know. That's the, the point the I was going to make. That's the game weeks. Where... That's the point I was going to make, mate. And so, like, yeah, if all this stuff is changing with COVID, look, personally, I think I think we'll have some kind of resolution closer to the season. I think the NRL, Me too. I think the NRL are in a good position now. We're still what two months away from the season, so they've still got two months to work out what's going on. Um, but yeah, yeah, your high ceiling guys, just be prepared to be stuck with them. That's that's the only thing I'll say. Um, unless you want to add anything else, mate. Imagine imagine owning Schuster. Averaging sixty points a week, whilst Walker also averages sixty points a week for the say the first five weeks, and then trading the first player for the second player. How would you feel? Oh, exactly. And that's the thing. Like Cody Walker's got a really tough draw. So if you're looking at Cody Walker, just know that you're probably going to lose some cash. He's a season long keeper, but absolutely. But if I pick him up sideways, Schuster to Walker, I think by the end of the season, that's one of the moves where I'm going to sit back and go. That's the reason I finished in the top 100 and I didn't finish in the top 1,000 or the top 10,000. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like, if you can... If you can save... There's some smarts to it. Yeah, if you can save as many trades as possible, perfect. But if you can also make the most of your trades. So if you're not... And this is... I've said this many times, mate. The reason why you went a lot better than I did last year is because I was making trades last year to cover my ass. Whereas you're making trades to strengthen your side. So... I was if attacking. You, yeah. if, you, if you pick Walker, just know you're going to lose some cash. Um, if you pick Schuster or, or anyone, for example, um, if you pick Kiri, whatever, like you're picking them with the idea that they're not going to score as well as Walker, but they're going to make you a bit of cash. So that's a bit of uh, Supercoach basics uh, for the guys out there that are experienced players. You know what we're talking about. But for you new guys, uh, yeah, just be a little bit strategic with your trades. Mate, that's going to wrap up the 5 8th. Uh, center wing, I'm going to have to let you get busy because we've probably got two podcasts that are at least an hour and 20 minutes long. Center wing is going to be yeah, deep. Look, center wing's, center wing's huge. Um, for the first pod, we've got 20 players to talk about. And then I've got to, I've got to go out and do the homework on all of the, the kind of the mid range and yeah. lower range options, so, which I guess typically you want to know about the top options, but it's center centers where you make your money. So it's very important to know who the mids are that might fire early and who the mid cheapies are that could make you some big cash so that you can get up to these top end guys when they, that's all a that's a discussion. In price. That's a discussion I had with you. Do we split them between guns and mids, or do we go all guns or mids? And, and we decided to go basically the the top to toe. So your Garricks, your Tottos, your Alex Johnstons first, and then we'll delve into your guys at around the four hundred k, a little bit less. The ones that are going to make you your cash. So that'll be split into two parts next week. Um, the center wings will be coming on Monday and Wednesday, and then we'll finish off the week with fullbacks. There's going to be a lot to dive into, especially when it comes to one turbo. Do we go with him or do we not? Uh, and then after that, mate, yes. we, we're gonna we're gonna rip into the teams. There's gonna be 16 teams for us to cover. We'll go over there. What, what we think their predicted lineups are gonna be. We'll do a bigger breakdown. So obviously these positional ones have been great because we've we've done a lot of the top end talent for you guys to build your squads around. But a lot of you guys are getting antsy about sort of, all right. Well, we've we've built the squad around these top guys. We're gonna need to find some cash elsewhere. And these deep team sort of uh, breakdowns. We're going to have basically every player covered, so really looking forward to that one. But um, next week will be all center wings, all fullbacks, uh, where a lot of the points and a lot of the money is going to get made. I'm really, really keen for that one, mate. Yeah, that fullbacks pods that we're going to do is it's going to be a little bit different too. Obviously, it's a it's a more shallow pool. It's kind of the position where people pick maybe two or three people. Typically, maybe people go rogue and pick one or two others. I'm going to focus on those players. I'm going to give you the you know, the averages versus opponents for up until the first buy. And I'm also going to give you the averages under the new rules yes. versus opponent up until there will the first be, buy. So there will we do be, that one a little bit differently. There will be zero mid range. There will be zero mid range fullbacks. The lowest will probably go is about five hundred and thirty K if you guys want to go turbo and a and a Jaden Campbell or Reese Walsh type player. So there will be yep. zero cheapies at fullback because Brew and I do not believe in that at all. So Hopefully you guys enjoyed the 5-8th breakdown. Uh, it went a little bit longer than I thought. I thought this was going to be a short one, but there was actually quite a bit to discuss and I'm going to have to go do some tinkering with my side. Uh, Jack White might have to get uh, blacklisted. Dylan, Dylan Brown, we might have to have a look at him, mate. So uh, I very much thank you for coming on, mate. Uh, I've, got to get, I've got to let you get going to do some center wing research, which is going to take you maybe three or four days of annual leave uh, away from work to get done. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. Ciao for now, guys. Cheers, bye.